Okay, uh, thank you for the great worship set and the, the prayer. The prayer basically covers everything I preach about, so <laughs> it's, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's the key right there. <laughs> um, let's go into this. So the, uh, the historic Christian faith has always been uh, founded on the concept of the Trinity. The Trinity is really important. It's how we understand God uh, as three persons in one, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so in the Gospel of John, we've been, uh, we've been um, talking about, we've mostly focused on the Son, the, the things that he's done, the things that he said, uh, what, how he's impacted those around him. Yet, integral to the Son's mission on earth is that he has to leave at some point, right? He, we, we all know this. He leaves at some point. And, uh, but he, when he leaves, he doesn't, just, uh, he doesn't just go and that's it. He, he says that he will send uh, the advocate. Uh, he, will, he will send the advocate. And this is first mentioned in chapter 14 uh, when Jesus tells his first disciples that uh, when he leaves, that they would not be alone. He would, he would ask the Father to send an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to help them and to be with them. And this is true for us today, too. The, the Holy Spirit would be with us and help us, too. And so the question then is very obviously, well, how does the Holy Spirit help us? So the understanding of the third person of the Christian Trinity has been kind of reinvigorated in the past few decades uh, with the rise of Pentecostal charismatic uh, traditions and denominations. And their emphasis uh, has been mostly focused on the supernatural gifts such as healing and spiritual discernment. And uh, these, these, um, these kind of emphasis have not remained in isolation in their own traditions, but have kind of come out and influenced um, other branches of uh, Christian denominations too. Some have criticized um, their emphasis um, as being too focused on kind of a personal uh, experiential value of uh, Christian spirituality um, and this may be because of a historical development, uh, a historical understanding that faith is grounded upon a correct doctrine or correct belief, head knowledge. So that may be one reason why kind of this pushback against that, right? But I think today's scripture is really important to help us understand what the Holy, script, uh, Holy Spirit does. Um, it helps us understand the, the role of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives, and not for experiential reasons too. Not not to feel that uh, uh, that spiritual high, even though even though I think that is really important for many people. The verses tell us what the Holy Spirit was sent to do and why it matters to Christians from the first disciples until today. So let's pray for the Scripture today. Father, we thank you for giving us your words. We pray that um, you will speak to each of us through uh, your words today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so we continue the final discourse, right? We've been in this discourse for some time now, but we're almost out of the final discourse, um, and we're, about to, we're, we're less than two chapters away from Jesus being arrested. So just a, a chapter and some bit more. <clears throat> Uh, today's verses uh, are in chapter 16 from verse 7 onward. Let me read it for you guys. This is Jesus speaking. So, very, But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. 
Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world wrong, uh, to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people... Okay, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> about sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Okay, now, I don't know about you, but for me, these verses have been really confusing and kind of like... What are they talking about? Oh, so confusing, right? So um, hopefully today it will help us to uh, uh, break it down and kind of have a better understanding of it, right? So um, he's talking to his disciples, right? Jesus. And he's, he's telling them that um, uh, when I leave, you're not going to be alone. And in fact, uh, Jesus would have to leave for the advocate to come, for this Holy Spirit to come. He's leaving them um, not because he wants to leave or because uh, you know, it brings him great joy that he's going to be leaving the disciples, but it's part of God's greater plan, God's greater redemption, a plan of redemption for creation that Jesus has to leave for the disciple to come. So, there's, so in some translations, we'll see um, the, ad, the, the advocate part. Uh, I will send him, to, I will, in verse 7, you see that, unless I go, the, the advocate, right? So in some translations, we'll see, it called being, uh, we'll, we'll see it called a helper, a comforter, a counselor. And so there's these different words that we choose, right? So one group of scholars who completed the, uh, the New English translation, uh, NET translation, and I really like this translation because at the, at the bottom, they have a lot of uh, footnotes on how they, um, on, the, on the problems of the difficulty and issues in translation, and, and they kind of reason through how they pick the words that they pick. So this particular word, they, they make this argument. They say that um, this word is pretty, is particularly hard to, uh, to choose because of the lack of one single English word that has the same range as the, uh, the meanings in the Greek word uh, parakletos. So it's the, in the Greek, it's parakletos, and the English, it's, it's kind of difficult to kind of find the same range, the same rough meaning as parakletos. Whereas comforter was used in a lot of um, older English translations. It doesn't really work well today, right? Because a comforter is, is what? It's like a quilt, right? So we think of a, a blanket. Um, so you, know, you can't say the blanket is coming, right? So that doesn't work. Um, uh, it, it, also may, uh, it also may refer to um, like a person who uh, provides comfort at, say, a funeral, right? A person who does that kind of job. Um, so that doesn't work either. <laughs> uh, then, there's the, um, then there's another word, which is a helper. It works a little better, but, uh, but the problem with helper is that it suggests this kind of subordinate role, whereas the parakletos is, is, is supposed to be at the same level as Jesus and the Father. So um, they also argue against counselor because it's too broad now in the, English, uh, in the English use of the word counselor because you have words like marriage counselor and camp counselor and all sorts of different counselors, it's too broad. So they finally settled on this term, uh, this advocate. And they think it works really well because advocate is someone who supports a position, who defends someone else, right? And this is exactly what the spirit does in what the disciples are uh, head out to do. The Holy Spirit supports them and defense them. Now, 
8 through 11, that's like the hard part, right? So um, let me do this for you guys. This will help uh, us to kind of break it down a little bit, right? So starting with 8, right? When he comes, he'll prove the world to be in the run about sin and righteousness and judgment. And then I've broken down about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. It's much easier to see there what he's trying to say. The main difficulty here actually lies in, this, in, the, in the word, in the verb here, that, uh, that verse 8 has already translated for us, uh, prove the world to be in the wrong. The, the Greek word is elenkos, el- uh, sorry, elenko, elenko. Uh, this verb has been used elsewhere in the New Testament to, uh, to, to, to mean to expose. Like, for example, when John the Baptist, uh, he uh, exposes Herod of his sin, right? Now, we won't go into too much detail about what, uh, what, 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 uh, what the arguments are, but suffice to say that elenko is, um, is about exposing sin. It's about showing, uh, uh, showing someone that they're wrong or showing something that they're wrong. More generally, we can say uh, in these verses, to prove wrong. With that said, right, to prove wrong. What does it mean to say that the Spirit will prove the world wrong about sin, about righteousness, and about judgment? Okay. Um, First, regarding sin. The Spirit will prove the world is wrong concerning sin because the world believes that it is correct. The world believes that it is correct in rejecting Jesus. The Spirit will prove that this concept, this idea that they have is wrong because refusing Jesus is is related to sin, is deeply related to sin. And they refuse Jesus not because of an ignorance, but because the problem uh, is, is a problem of the will. It's a choice to reject Jesus. Okay. Hopefully that clears up. Okay. Second, regarding righteousness, right? What does the world think is right? The world thinks that it is right in that Jesus is a blasphemer and an enemy of Judaism and religious leaders, and, ha- and that his death will prove his unrighteousness. Okay, so let me unpack this, okay? So the world believes that Jesus is a bad guy, and that when he dies, it will, his death will prove that he was a bad guy. Okay. But the Spirit will prove that the world is wrong about this. When Jesus dies, Jesus' innocence and his righteousness will be proclaimed. And a co- as a consequence, the world will be shown that it lacks true righteousness. So the Spirit will prove that the world is wrong about righteousness too. Third, regarding judgment. The world thinks that it has judged correctly, uh, namely here in rejecting Jesus, as well as in condemning and killing Jesus. But the Spirit will show that this judgment is perverse and that the world is incapable of making the right decisions about God. The source of this error is that the prince of uh, the world, uh, Satan, right? Uh, the source, that's the source of this problem, the source of this error. The reversal here is that Jesus has become the supreme judge. He is the one who judges, um, judges Satan. And though Satan has been condemned through the cross, as Paul has written later on, he still has power in this world. So, the Spirit's first and foremost uh, job is to redeem Jesus and who he says he is. 
the Spirit will prove that the world is wrong concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment about Jesus. It's important here to note that the Spirit is not exposing the world in that, as in all creation, and that all creation is evil. I know this is a very, uh, this is a common misunderstanding, is that all creation is evil, and therefore, uh, uh, therefore, we have to somehow escape from creation and kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, cut ourselves off of uh, creation. This is not, this is not what is talked about here. This cannot be what John means here because the, the, the world, right, this word cosmos in the Greek is used throughout John in, a very, in many, many places and in many places it's used positively, very positively. For example, in uh, chapter 1, verse 10, uh, Jesus was sent into the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him, right? If the world was evil, how could the world be made through him, right? This is a this is, a, this is a, a, a problem. You can't say that the world's evil and Jesus is only good, but the world's made through Jesus. In, verse, uh, in chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, we're all really familiar with this, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him, right? This world is is worthy of saving. Chapter 12, verse 47, for I, Jesus speaks, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So what is the, uh, this cosmos that's been talked about here? This cosmos that is against Jesus is going to be uh, judged by the Spirit, right? If you, uh, you know, I took a look at the um, uh, a New Testament uh, Greek lexicon, and uh, for cosmos, under the cosmos, there are many different entries, right? And uh, many of them talk about uh, all creation or all creation um, uh, or all humanity. There's this one entry near the very bottom, and it's, it's the one that's talked about here. But it is referring to the forces and the systems in the world that are against God and his plan for redemption. So it all fits in here now. Okay, so we're against the spirit is going to expose and going to prove guilty the systems and the forces in the world that are against God's plan for redemption. If we head back, if we think about um, the, uh, the world that Jesus and then later Paul lived in, right? It's this Roman, uh, Greco-Roman world, right? And... Uh, the forces that were against God's, against God's redemption, um, we can see it in some cases. The, the Roman authorities, um, the, the Jewish uh, religious leaders, these were the kind of the systems and forces that were against God's redemption of the world. Of course, there's also you know, the unhidden, the hidden world, the spiritual world, right? But I think it's, I think the challenge here um, and I'm going off script here, but I think the challenge here is to, to kind of map that, those forces that were, that were against God's redemption of the world to today. The forces that are against God's redemption today. The systems that are against um, God's redemption today. I mean, the world we're living is, is much more complicated. Okay, let's not say it's much more complicated, but it's, it's complicated in different ways. Um, we have uh, 
geopolitical forces, we have global economics, we have, um, we have um, political, kind of uh, ethical, political, um, uh, different uh, positions. Um, the world is, is differently complicated. And, and no, I don't, think, I don't think anyone here is, um, is, um, is in a position to talk about, fully talk about the complicatedness of today's world by themselves. But each of us, we each have, um, we're each embedded into a community and we each have a sense of the understanding of a particular system of the world. And so we have deep, in, each of us, we have deep insights into particular systems of this world. And we also have a feel on that, on that pulse, on what elements of that system are against God's redemption of the world, are against God's plan for redemption. And so I think that's where each of us, we have that power, that, per, that authority, responsibility to, to kind of think about, to think about what God, what God is telling me through the Spirit in proving that the systems and elements of systems are wrong. How they're wrong. Right. Let's go on and look at verse uh, 12 through uh, 15. Let me read it for you guys. <clears throat> Again, Jesus is speaking here. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he, makes, what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Okay, it's a little bit uh, kind of, you know, a roundabout way of saying. Basically, what is it saying, right? It's saying that um, the Spirit, uh, the Spirit, will come and when the spirit comes he will make known about what Jesus has already said but there's also the sense that G that the spirit will do something new right this kind of this new period that we're going to enter into indeed the spirit's arrival will mark a new time a different experience for the disciples yet it is also um, it is also stated very clearly that this new experience will have limitations. It will not just be whatever you want to do, right? But the limitations will be that they will be, that they will be for the purpose of glorifying Jesus. So any revelation that, that does not glorify Jesus is not from the Spirit. Very simply put. Let us remember that the role of the Holy Spirit um, uh, for Christians who have the Holy Spirit, right? We have been given a, a special role to stand up and speak against uh, systems that corrupt God, God's plan, and destroy life. This is, this is what is meant by earlier, that the Spirit will judge the world, will, will, will prove the world wrong about certain things. The Spirit now lives in each of us, and we have been given that same, um, that same authority to go into our world and to prove the world wrong about certain things. How can we do this? 
how can we do this? Now, I know that it sounds like, okay, we're just gonna go crazy and just start you know, uh, picketing or, or protesting or whatever, but no, I don't think, I don't think we should, I don't think we do that. I offer, I offer three ways we do it, and uh, they are all uh, through imitating Christ. How did he, how did he behave? Uh, I, I propose that we imitate Christ's uh, humility, his boldness, and his willingness to serve others, especially the marginalized. I think these three things are really important in how we speak truth into the system that we, we, we live in. Because, um, because, like for example, take humility, right? I mean, humility, um, uh, you know, it's, it's important because we're, we're not all experts in everything. We don't know everything. So we have to be humble in approaching topics that we're not familiar with. We have to be humble in understanding the world of people we don't really know, right? Let me give you a really radical example, okay? This is very interesting, but um, there was this uh, uh, BBC report uh, on a guy, uh, Christopher Hitchens, right? And so at, at, at one point in his life, he, 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 thought, uh, he thought the torture method of waterboarding, uh, he was like, that's ah, not that big of a deal, you know, it's, you know, he, he, he heard about uh, some terrorist who was waterboarded for two minutes and he said, no, you know, not a big deal, it's, you know, I'm sure anyone could do that. You know, it's not that big of a deal, right? So what did he do? He, this guy is, oh, he was kind of crazy, but he said, okay, I'll experience waterboarding. I'll see what it's like. Okay, so he arranged for this experience and, uh, and you can find videos of this on, on, online, but uh, he, 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 he was set up and he was kind of locked down and then he went through waterboarding. Here's what he says about the experience. Okay. On top of the hood, so he wore a hood, Three layers of enveloping towels were added. In this pregnant darkness, I waited for a while until I abruptly felt a slow cascade of water going up to my nose. Determined to resist, I held my breath for a while and then had to exhale. And as you might expect, inhale in turn. The inhalation brought the damp cloths right uh, against my nostrils as if a huge wet paw had been suddenly and annihilating clamped over my face. Unable to, determine, to de unable to determine whether I was breathing in or out and flooded more with a sheer panic than with mere water, I triggered the prearranged signal and felt the unbelievable relief of being pulled upright and having the soaked and stifling layers pulled off me. Um, he, he, he notes here that he was embarrassed to mention how long he lasted, but I counted in the video how long he lasted. He lasted no more than 20 seconds of waterboarding. So um, he went out and experienced it. And this is a radical example of why we need to be humble about, about other things that we don't know about, because we don't know about them. And when we know about them, then we can speak about them. Now Hitchens is, uh, well, he passed away. I'm pretty sure he passed away, but after that experience, he became a, a kind of a, a advocate against a waterboarding as a technique. Now, I'm not saying that we should be waterboarded, right? <laughs> That's not my point, to speak up against torture. I think we can speak up against torture because of other reasons, but this is just one example. Um, the point is that we need humility 
to speak about things. And uh, so uh, that's a reminder for us not to be, you know, kind of to be loud mouthed and to be kind of uh, crass about, um, about various topics that we're not familiar with. We do need to have a, a, a good understanding of something before we go in and start trying to prove that it's wrong. The second thing is that we must be bold in speaking against corrupting systems. Um, in the prayer, uh, um, there was specific mention of being, of being brave, right? And this is very similar, we need to be bold. In the, in the book of Acts, uh, there's a recording of Paul um, going through the different Romans, Roman, uh, kind of the Roman authorities one by one. And in, against each one, he boldly proclaimed his experience of meeting the living Christ. Uh, and it wasn't, I don't think it was for the purpose of converting the people he's speaking to, but rather about boldly sharing about what he experienced. There will be times when we require great boldness too, to stand up against the things that we know are wrong in this world. And finally, the third point, Jesus acted out of compassion for the marginalized. You know, throughout the Gospels, if we, if we read through them carefully and we pay attention to who Jesus is interacting with, we'll know that Jesus places a lot, of, a lot of time and a lot of value on the people that society in general excluded. They try to push out of their society. The poor, the disenfranchised, the blind, uh, the, uh, the, those with skin diseases, people that were kind of marginalized, pushed to the outer bounds of society, the lowest of lows in that society. Jesus acted out of compassion for these people, for such people. If we are to follow his steps and we are to speak, we are to prove that the, wrong is, the world is guilty in, in different areas, then we must always keep in mind of those who are excluded in our present societies. There was a report earlier I saw this week um, of, uh, <clears throat> it was a, an insider. He was working as an undercover agent for, uh, I think it's British Gas. And, uh, and he went around with this uh, group of employees of British Gas. And they were, uh, they were going around and kind of not quite legally, but also not illegally, kind of like gray in the gray area, going around and shutting off the, the, the heating for people who weren't able to pay and keep, keep, their, uh, keep, their, uh, keep their bills paid up, topped off. Um, the problem here is that uh, the problem here is that some of the clients that they were shutting the gas off had legitimate reasons for not being able to pay. For example, they had uh, two or more children and they were single parents, right? They were working three jobs already. They couldn't afford it, you know. So I think that this report was really important because, in a sense, this guy, this this undercover agent, he was working in the system to find out how it had been. Um, hurting marginalized people in society. And I felt that was a really good, a brave, um, a brave move for, um, and also really good for all of us to see what, you know, what's going on in society. We do all these things um, in humility, uh, with boldness, and with concern for the marginalized 
through the Spirit. The Spirit is what enables us to do these things, to speak up against the systems in the world that do that oppress people, that kill people, and that kind of cause a stumbling block for God's plan for redemption. And it is because we all have the Spirit that we are all enabled to do such things. And let's pray for that. Father, we thank you for um, just the Holy Spirit that you have promised to us um, after Jesus left. He didn't leave us as orphans, but he left us with an advocate, someone who would be with us um, as we live in this world and we engage with the, um, the different systems and powers in this world. Lord, we pray that, um, as the earlier prayer, we pray that uh, you would use us to be a light and salt in this world, that we would be able to, in our own, in our own areas of expertise, in our own embedded communities, that we can um, show the world where it is wrong. We can show the problems and we can boldly proclaim the gospel and bring light to those areas. We thank you and we pray that you will be with us into our next week as we go out and live in this world, as we um, think about um, how today's message might impact us. We thank you. We ask these in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.